This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's down the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey everybody, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins. It's Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Out on the world and uh, on Scoop Duck, obviously, and on any site that has podcasts. We're, we're on a ton. If you just Google it, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, whatever podcast app you use, we're there. So I'm in my home studio. Justin is at his house. And... I, I know that we're just two people in a world of seven billion, but I'm fascinated by how we're all coping through this new normal. Um, when I check Scoop Duck, Justin, it looks normal. I, I'm seeing recruiting news. I'm seeing all these great things the Ducks are, are doing to plan ahead. Do you feel like they're making the best out of this? Yeah, you have to. I mean, if you if you're gonna sit back, um, you know, if you're gonna sit back with a defeatist attitude and think, oh, well, we can't go in and we can't host recruits on campus and we don't have football practice, we can't do that. I mean, you're just allowing yourself to fall behind. I mean, we've talked about how competitive college football is, and and every inch matters, you know, and that 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 translates on the football field, but also into recruiting, into coaching, into all these other elements, weightlifting, conditioning, all these things where every inch, every second, you know, every day matters. Um, you know, this is something where I think, I think, in my opinion, and, and this is something I've thought about, and I really haven't verbalized it, but had this happened during the Mark Helfrich era, I'd be incredibly concerned, and I'm not trying to nitpick on Mark Helfrich. I do like him, but I'd be concerned about, what the players would be doing with all this free time. And my mm-hmm. m- meaning to that is there wasn't a very strong culture in place under Mark Helfrich. There wasn't a lot of accountability. There wasn't a lot of player leadership. And I think that's something that's tremendously different under Mario Cristobal. You see the culture, you know, these guys are probably group chatting with each other, um, you know, FaceTiming or whatever, like, Hey, what'd you do today? Did you get your workout in? Did you, you know, are you eating right? You know, that, the, the culture, those are the types of things, because obviously Mario Cristobal can't be, well, anywhere for that matter, but he can't be, you know, watching all of his players wherever they're at. A lot of them are at home. You know, it's going to come down to you're going to see this fall, assuming we play college football, you're going to see this fall the teams where I think culture really wins out. And yeah. I do believe that that's the strength of the Oregon program. So I, I want to dig in on this because I'm fascinated by it. When you talk about player leadership, do you mean there's there's five or six guys in that locker room that are getting the troops rallied, or is this from the coaching staff down? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it does have to start with the coaching staff. I'm sure that even even though they only were able to complete four spring football practices through the winter workouts and stuff, coaches were able to pretty well identify you know, who some of those leaders are going to be for this team the next season. You know, maybe you've got a guy like Panay Sewell. Um, it sounds like Isaac Slade was also uh, becoming a very vocal leader. I think Javon Holland's another one of those guys that kind of leads by example. 
um, and sets the tone. I think you've got a number of guys, the defensive lines returning a lot of, you know, leadership and a lot of experience. You know, those guys really, you know, if you're Mario Cristobal and you're smart, which he is, mm-hmm. you you grab those guys as soon as it was pretty clear that, you know, you weren't be able to going to be able to have a spring football and you weren't be able to continue the way you would normally would and say, hey, look, guys, you know, we may end up having a season, and if we do, we got to be ready. You, it's up to you guys. you really got to work on the team. you got to be responsible, you know, for your position group. You can identify somebody and say, hey, I want you to be in charge of your position group. You know, grab a couple wide receivers, you know, a Johnny Johnson or somebody with that experience and say, hey, make sure you check on the young guys and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, you got D'Amador Lenore and, and Thomas Graham. Hey, keeping tabs on Mikel Wright or DJ James or those guys. Um, the, you know, the younger guys, that accountability trickles down. It starts with the coaching staff. You know, you get to that next level, which are the returning experienced guys, the, the, the juniors and seniors, and you force them to trickle it down to the younger guys and just not allow them to get away with laying on their couch playing Fortnite all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you go there because I read a quote the other day from Mario talking about how he doesn't want to force his guys to be uncomfortable. You know, don't go to the gym if if you're not in a, in a way where you can socially distance and follow guidelines and stay healthy. And that was the first thing I thought was, wow, you know, if every workout is voluntary or, or everything is, is voluntary, how many guys are just going to say screw it and play Fortnite? But it sounds like the Ducks have that base covered. Well, you'd hope so. I mean, you don't know until everybody comes back. And, you know, I don't know if you've been following Aaron Feld on Twitter, but, he, I mean, he's posting updates every day of of kind of what he's doing and how he's embracing it, um, as you would expect, of course, from, from Coach Feld. But um, ultimately, when these guys do reconvene, and I believe they will, and, and hopefully that might be in July or August or whenever that might be, um, you're going to know right away who's followed, uh, you know, who's followed the blueprint and who's straight. I mean, it will be – absolutely apparent and and unfortunately these guys need to know that that's going to dictate their their play time you know i mean they're going to 100 percent know that uh if they're not ready the guy behind them might be and might be taking their time so um you know again that's that's a, that's a culture thing um you know we talk about that mantra that everybody talks about iron sharpens iron well you know oregon has really overhauled this roster in the last two or three years under coach cristobal and now you have depth behind you. So those, those guys that are the, you know, incumbent starters aren't able to kind of rest on their laurels and just say, Hey, I'm the guy I started last year. I got this. Well, you know, if, if you're a, if you're a linebacker right behind you is Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're a cornerback right behind you is Mikel Wright. Um, and, and, uh, if you're a safety right behind you is Bennett Williams. Um, you know, if you're a wide receiver, you've got some really good, you know, Devin Williams is out there trying to take a spot. Um, Again, across the board, we're looking at that and seeing that this roster has been overhauled. It is a better, more competitive roster, not just of the starting 22, but the guys behind them. And ultimately, um, you know, those guys that are that are taking it easy and, and maybe not following uh, uh, the diet plan or the workout plan, that's going to be completely apparent on day one when, in fact, we do reconvene, which I'm expecting. I'm hoping, at least. When do you think they reconvene? You know, I've heard some chatter that, you know, obviously it won't be in April. It won't be in May. Um, I've heard some chatter that, uh, so here's my, and and some coaches, not just at Oregon, uh, some coaches that I've had the ability to talk with over the last couple of weeks have said, hey, and I agree, there is legitimate concerns that 
when you're playing a sport as brutal, physical, intense as college football, especially on the, on the major level, if you're not training properly, injuries are going to be a byproduct of that. And there is a lot of concern that these guys are not able to get the nutrition, the stretching, the, the workouts, the conditioning, all the things that they need to have their bodies in shape for a very grueling season. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, these guys, I mean, the NFL is the same way. And I, I guess you could apply that to every major sport, but football in particular where it's just so physical. These guys, there is a lot of concern about, okay, what are we going to do because we can't just – you know, open it up for fall camp and expect for it to, you know, be ready to go in four weeks. That's not feasible. Um, you know, so they might give them some sort of, you know, OTA or extra time in, in late June or July if this thing opens back up. And they're also talking, I've heard whispers that they may decide to extend fall camp, uh, you know, maybe starting in a week earlier, giving them a little bit more time there um, to prepare and get, get ready because that, that, that becomes a very serious concern at the end of the day. Maybe not today where we're just focused on getting football back, but you get to that point. It's kind of like, okay, Hey, look, Hey, we need, we need these, these are, you know, these are uh, highly intense workouts. This is a, a very physical game. We got to make sure these guys are, are safe to play and not just out there on the field risking injury because that becomes a very big part of this as well. Yeah, yeah. The way I think about that, um, my, my dad always talked about this, and he was a youth football coach when I was growing up. The football is not a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. And so you have to learn how to maneuver that. Uh, the first thing they teach you when you start playing tackle football is they teach you how to tackle. And they drill you the first day in practice in middle school and high school ball and, and small college ball. It's tackling drills. And the, the fear is, I think if you rush these guys in without enough practice time, because you're trying to sell tickets for when Ohio State comes to town in September, some of these guys could get either seriously injured um, we, we've seen players get paralyzed before playing football. We've seen serious concussions before. Or, I hate to say it, this could kill guys. And so you got to train them and, and give them that practice time so that everyone is on the same page for how to stay alive. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason just under normal circumstances, there's a reason in spring and in fall that you know coaches and, 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 or, and football programs are forced to have practices just in helmets, you know, they're just in the shells. It's a progression to getting your full pads on because you don't want these guys out there popping each other from day one when their bodies aren't ready. They've got to get out there, initiate some contact kind of, and and it's not just the physical, it's the mental side of things too. You've got to get back into that mode of, of tackling properly and and being ready, you know, to take on those types of hits. And, And like you said, it's, it's a collision sport. You have to, be able to maneuver those hits and try to minimize the impact if you can. Well, you know, again, if you go out there day one rusty and you're not quite ready and you get popped, you know, it's pretty severe. So especially at this level. So it'll be interesting to see how that, I I gotta imagine they're going to, you know, change some things around when it comes to that point. But uh, again, I think we're obviously step one is just uh, deciding to get football back and, and, and then going from there, of course. Yeah. Yeah, let's say that, and I think we will. I think we will. I think we'll. I, there's too much at stake. I just right. there's no there's there's no way to slice it that I don't think that the NFL and college football don't push for it to come back to some degree, whether they shorten the season, extend the you know extend the uh, the the fall camp, whatever the case might be. That you know everybody feels safe with playing the game. They're going to figure out how to play the game. 
Yeah. When, when you mentioned the NFL, for me, I think college football has even more pressure to play because of the money. You know, you're, right. you're looking not just at funding next year's football program and, and flights so coaches can go recruit and uniforms for players and all that fun stuff, but you're looking at funding every other sport at your school. That's all football. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention these guys are only getting, you know, three to five years on their clock. You take one year away from them, uh, you know, in that sport. Um, you know, that, that also uh, trickles down to the NFL. I mean, you, you might be getting guys into the league a year earlier than they're ready for. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the college football is basically the, the minor leagues for NFL. Yes. Um, so you, re- you really have to treat that the right way uh, or else you do, you know, you, you hurt the program. Or you hurt the sport all the way up into the NFL. I just don't, they, there's too much money. The NFL won't allow that. They just won't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the way the way it was taught to me, uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. He he's written about this for years. College football is a free minor league. Yeah, totally free. They don't pay a dime. They don't have to do any work. They just let the colleges do their thing and give them Saturday. <laughs> they give them Saturday, so there's no nobody angry. The TV networks and the colleges give them free minor league football. Yeah, and and I know it can be viewed as that, and I know there's the you know the pay players in, in college football talk, of course, that's coming to light, um, which I which I'm not a fan of personally. Uh, but again, you know, people do consider it. Well, they're they're you know they're they're free uh, free players. They're not paying them. Well, no, they're not playing them, but they are getting uh, a college degree that is paid for and some other things. It's not like it's completely free which I think a lot of people lose track of that. Anybody that has a, a sizable amount of student debt can appreciate, yeah. you know, what, what these guys are, or what I would say is earning. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a, you know, pay for play sort of a deal. And I do feel that they're definitely earning, uh, you know, earning that right for a free uh, education. But mm-hmm. along the lines, it's not like they're not getting something in return. No, no, I agree. I've always thought for, for that question and, I know it's it's one that's almost like walking into a land uh, landmine field. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I went to a tech school. I went to a school at, at Oregon Tech that we had some really good majors. That like like I was a software engineering major, and if you made it through that program and got a degree, you were pretty much guaranteed a good job. Um, now I didn't finish. I don't have a degree. But I, I know a school like that, if you study something rigorous, you're going to get something really valuable in return. The only question I've ever had is how many of these schools, and I'm not saying the Ducks do this. I think Oregon is a fantastic school. Um, but I think a lot of these schools, especially in the SEC or, or in the South in general, funnel guys into easy majors that don't really oh, help them. Yeah. yeah. No question. And at the end of the day, I, I do agree with that. But on the flip side, you know, those are the types of individuals, for the most part, that would have no college degree if it wasn't for football. You know what I mean? So I, I guess, yeah, are they funneling them into, you know, uh, the, the most simplistic form of writing and, and getting them out, you know, on, a, on, an, on an easy degree? I would say that applies uh, pretty broadly. But on, on the flip side, you're, most of those guys that are doing that, would have no college degree if it wasn't for football um, kind of pushing them through that. So I, I do consider it a win-win, um, at least in, in that instance. Um, for the, because let's face it, when we're young, 
we make stupid decisions. We oh, think, yeah. oh, I don't need, th- you know, I don't need this. I'm going to be a YouTuber and make all my money or I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, that's what everyone, that's what these kids are thinking these days. Trust yeah. me. I have one who's 15 who, who thinks that's how it works. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, guys, nothing replaces hard work. You, you have, if you want something, you got to go earn it. And in order to earn it, you got to put in the, the sweat, blood and tears. And, and they're outside of a, of a 1% population. There is no replacing that. That's just not how it works. And so, um, you know, luckily these guys, again, mostly able to earn degrees. Uh, and, and a cool thing, you see these guys going to the NFL and, and maybe have left college football a year early. A lot, you know, Not a lot of them, but there are a number of them that go back and, and finish that degree, which, right. you know, I think, that's pretty, I think that's pretty incredible. It really shows that, you know, th- those, those young men have matured and realized the value of a degree and having a degree. I, I think that's tremendous. What do your kids want to do when they grow up? Uh, you know, well, Cooper's 15, so he's kind of the only one that has uh, a, a little bit of an idea. And right now, here's what he thinks he's going to be one of these. Uh, he gets on StockX and Goat all the time, which are those shoe apps. And he thinks okay. he's going to, you know, acquire shoes. And, and and when I say shoes, I'm talking about, you know, the, the very highly sought after Jordans that right. they don't make many of. And, and he, he thinks that's And so he actually, in the last few weeks, has bought a couple of pairs of shoes with the help of, of dad, of course, um, that, you know, some Yeezys and then, and there was another pair. I don't remember what the other ones were. Uh, that's something he, he, he loves shoes, man. And I don't mean like he, he just wants to do it to make money there. He, he genuinely loves shoes, like the new shoes that come out. And, mm-hmm. and I've told him, why don't you start a website? Why don't you, know, why don't you write about, you know, when new shoes are released, why don't you, you know, write an article about them and say, Hey, you know, why do you, oh, you can't make any money doing that. I'm like, you want to bet? Yeah. You know, so. Oh yeah. We're, we're, we're working, on, we're working on it. We're working on a game plan, but, uh, otherwise I wouldn't say he has a great outline of what he wants to do. He, he asked me about what I do and I said, you don't want to do what I do, buddy. <laughs> go, go do, go, go do, go do something else where you have a little more freedom. Are you telling me that, uh, your your lady doesn't just love when Friday date night turns into sorry babe I, I got to write about the ducks about this this eighteen year old kid they just got committed <laughs> yeah or, or the fact that Larry Scott sucks at his job and the Pac twelve plays on football night on Friday nights right, all the time yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah ruins uh, date night yeah I mean she I mean she obviously understands that it's a it's a twenty four twenty four hour on call <laughs> sort of a job for the most part but. Uh, uh, I don't hate my job by any means, but there are a lot of great opportunities for him out there. It's just, I, I'm really, I mean, we're talking about him and you, you know, obviously let's see, you're, you're uh you're a late twenties, early thirties guy. Yeah. Late twenties, 28, late twenties. And he's 15. And I'm just curious, even when he gets to where you're at at age 28, how different the job market's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I, I'm, I scream at him till I'm blue in the face that go learn a trade. What do you mean, Dad? Go learn how to weld. Go how to be a construction worker. Work, learn how to work on cars. Work on diesel engines. You name it. And I'm telling you, son, you'll be able to name your price when you when you get to be my age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, yeah. he, you know, that's not what uh, that's not what motivates him these days. The few kids that I know that do that, I keep telling them, I'm like, keep going down that path, kid. You'll be able to work as much or as little as you want and make as much as you want when yeah. you get to be my age. And I, I think that gets to something I've always hammered on when when we talk about college athletics is you're 18 to 22 year old, your your college athlete, they don't know this stuff. And they've got everybody in the world. Dad tells them, mom tells them, you and I tell them. Everybody tries to give them our own two cents. 
and it's just too much. And so nobody really knows what they're doing. Right. No, it's hard. I mean, at 15, the last thing you're thinking about is what you're going to do for a career. I get it. He's more concerned with getting online and playing Rocket League and Fortnite with his friends <laughs> and getting the latest car for, for Rocket League. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, and I get it. We were all there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I try to relate to him and say, hey, dude, I get it. I used to stay up till two o'clock playing Resident Evil on my PlayStation when that first came out. So I, I get it. But, uh, you also got you also got this other part of life creeping up on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's funny is uh, when they finally make NCAA twenty, I think we're all going to be right back where our kids are. Oh yeah, I'll jump in there and start <laughs> whooping on his ass, no doubt. Uh. <laughs> um, want to play the guessing game with you? Get back to college football. So, okay. so you're saying you think they'll just extend fall camp? We get everything back around August, and and we get a full season. I think you know, and I've been going over this in my own head. I, I, I you know, on the surface, sure, it would be easy to say, hey, we're going to delay the start of the season for college and NFL for let's just say two weeks, and you start thinking about that. But logistically, that becomes an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just does, and, and at both levels, either either way. So, I mean, I think the only other way to do that is obviously to back up, uh, you know, or or to do some of the, the things you would normally do and just try to try to be out in front of them. So let's just say that fall camp starts uh, August 1. You know, maybe you can back that up a week and get them out there that last week of July, get them an extra week of that. If 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 this thing goes through appropriately, you know, everybody basically had about three weeks left of spring football. Maybe you can give them a couple of those weeks back in June or July, uh, you know, in, in, in mid to late June uh, to early July. Let them kind of use that time, give them a couple of weeks in between the end of that, the beginning of fall camp for their bodies to heal, recover, rest, and then let them get into fall. I think the extra week of fall camp shouldn't allow you to push them that much harder, but ultimately to ease them into it and have that extra time that becomes so much uh becomes much more valuable um, for their bodies. So, again, I'm not advocating that you put them out there and instantly start, you know, cranking on them in full pads and, and, and doing the, uh, you know, the, the tackling drills, but giving them that extra time to be out there and getting fluid and, and movement. And um, I think you can get away with it. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a college football player, and, and I don't have the body for it, but I know that when I was 18 to 21 years old, um, my body was able to do some pretty magical things that doesn't doesn't seem to happen anymore at 41. <laughs> yeah, I'm only 28, and I can reconcile with that. Um, I, the other theory I've heard, I, I like that idea. I, I know a couple of coaches and, and a couple of people in the college football world that are talking about that. Uh, but another idea is you prep in the fall, treat fall like the spring, and then play the season in the spring. What do you think about that? Again, I think as hard as it would be to just even back up the season by just two weeks, shifting it to a whole other time period is a whole other bottle of wax. I just, I think, and, and when I say logistically, I mean in terms of being able to set up dates for games and making sure that you know those two teams, you know those two teams that play on that day are able to get there and not conflicting with this. Um, you know, you've got football players that play baseball in the spring. So what do you do there? Um, I just, Mm. I think you open a a completely different can of worms by moving the start of the season back 
both in college and NFL. Um, I don't think there's any perfect solution, but I do think that that creates a lot more issues than, you know, and again, that my idea or, or the idea of, of, of the, you know, added time before fall camp is all predicated on the fact that we're able to get through this thing in the next three to four to five weeks and return to some form of, of normalcy yeah. at that time. And if that's not the case, then of course that theory goes right out the window, but we don't know. We don't, this, this thing seems to be declining. People seem to be a little bit less freaked out at the moment than we were two or three weeks ago. It doesn't make it any less real. It just seems as though we are starting to work toward seeing the light at the end, the end of the tunnel, in my opinion. Yeah, at least in Oregon. I, I'm yeah. still concerned. I see the numbers going up in New York, and and I, I fear for a similar trajectory in the Deep South because I think they really were behind the eight ball. But on the West Coast, yeah, I, I got to give it up. I, I think people have, have really done a good job. Well, I think it lends, you know, part of that is, Obviously, this disease is a, is easily spreadable, um, but it seems, I mean, like any disease, it has a shelf life. I mean, it's not like coronavirus is going to infect everybody and, and, and continue for two years. At some point, we'll be able to, you know, eradicate it and slow it down, which obviously that was the big flat in the curve. You know, I understand the, the, the sentiment and the goal of that. Um, it seems as though everyone else has been able to, and it took a lot less time than a lot of people projected. Um, and again, I, I, you know, you and I aren't trying to make this a, a COVID-19, you know, expertise panel, but at no. least just from what we're able to, to, to see and glean, I can see people on, on scoop duck are talking about it a little bit less. I can see several of my friends that Facebook or just in text messages that were pretty pro stay at home. Don't talk to buddy, anybody, don't touch anything have started to kind of concede a little bit, you know, that, Hey, it looks like things are on the up and up. It just feels like that's the common sentiment right now. And again, like you said, if there's another major outbreak, which some people have predicted, then, 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 then we go back to seeing what's the best course of action there. But as of right now today, it seems as though a college football season and an NFL season are fairly realistic with, with the way things are trending. Yeah. So switching things up now, um, Sabrina's in the news. She did an interview earlier this week with uh, John Canzano up in Portland on his his radio show, and he asked her where she's going to sign, like Nike, Puma, Under Armour, all that, and I just thought, you have daughters, you have kids, if you were her, what would you do? Um, well, to me, I mean, I, I, I think... I. I I mean, I think the no-brainer situation is is to be with Nike. I mean, I, I'm sure that she's already got a, a pretty good relationship with Phil Knight, who obviously watched uh, you know a number of the women's games. Um, you know, was a big supporter there. You know, she's very close with uh, just with that. You know, Oregon kind of being Nike U. I think there's a, a very special chance for Nike and Sabrina to really capture this thing and and just really you know, elevate, uh, the women's brand in sports and, and to, you know, to create a, a shoe line or, or a clothing line or both or whatever the case might be. And it's not to say that Adidas or, or Puma or whoever else couldn't do that. They, 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 they absolutely could as well. But I, I think there's a really special chance for Nike to do that and capture. I mean, you're, you're talking about capturing a, a, a specific side of the market that nobody really 
truly owns in any fashion. And I, and I think that, you know, I think Nike's fully aware of that. And, and, and I got to believe that they're making an offer that, sh- that, that she's not going to be able to refuse at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, the, the two comparisons that pop out to me are when LeBron got drafted, they offered him, Nike offered him a hundred million bucks right out of the gate. It just, it was money. You couldn't pass it up. And so he takes it. And, um, and then with her, I think, and, and I think you'll respect this as a soccer person, I think about Mia Hamm. Um, yeah. Anybody that watches our totally kick-ass U, uh, U.S. Women's National Team last summer uh, when they do the World Cup and they just destroy everybody, they win the trophy, um, all of those ladies, if you were to ask them, who did you like growing up? Who did you root for? Who did you see yourself in? They would have said Mia. And I think Sabrina can be that if she isn't already that for a generation of young women. It just makes way too much sense. You got to pay her everything. Yeah, that, and I think that's that's the uh, that's the underlying issue to me is the fact that you have somebody that's going to be able to really just really capture an audience that that nobody has done yet. And I think, and it won't just be in regards to basketball. You know, obviously she'll be a women's basketball, uh, you know, mainstay, but I think that will trickle down into the other sports and, and being able to, you know, again, you know, I know the men's side of things, the sneakers and all the athletic wear has always been kind of a men's thing in the past, but, uh, you know, women's are, are definitely catching up uh, at a very rapid rate currently. And I think that's just a big, big market that Nike doesn't want to lose out on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I say this, I'm biased because I cover it, but I think women's basketball is a lot of fun. I, I would argue at the level that I cover, the high school level, I think it's better than men's basketball. Just there's a physicality that you just don't have on the other side. Well, it, in my opinion, and it's, I've had this opinion, it's better basketball. It's better team basketball. It's 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 a, It's a better showing of the actual sport itself are they you know able to dunk and 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 maybe make three pointers like some of the guys in the pros you know sure those guys are elite athletes they do some pretty special things from an individual standpoint Uh Um, you know zion williamson lebron james those guys pretty special talents overall just in terms of watching a team play in unison with with one another you know women's basketball really is superior in that arena by itself in my opinion it's just it is like like you said it's a lot more fun to watch to me yeah yeah um so talking football talking hoops um you you had a point earlier and i i forgot about this because i i can't think of anybody on oregon where this applies but i know it's happened at oregon state in the past and i know it's happened in other schools in the past football players that play baseball in the spring when's the Mm -hmm. last time you think the ducks had a guy who played baseball in the spring oh gosh i can't remember the last one i can think of uh was a quarterback his name is jake rodriguez j rod and he was a backup quarterback um in the chip days and uh great athlete um great dude um and he played baseball but i don't know that anybody else has done it since although Oregon signed another quarterback in Robbie Ashford uh you know has yet to arrive on campus that's talking about doing both sports 
So um, I guess it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, obviously he's not playing baseball this spring, um, but we'll see how maybe that impacts him, you know, the freshman year and how things line up there. Um, that sounds like that's the next one, uh, assuming uh, he does, in fact, play both, or assuming that he doesn't actually go pro in baseball, which he, he may end up getting drafted. Um, tough to say with uh, how that's going to be affected with no, uh, you know, no baseball this season at the, at the, uh, at the prep level. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me because I think about Oregon State. Um, they had Adley Rutschman doing kickoffs uh, before he gets drafted number one overall in MLB. Um, and then I, I think about uh, Jameis Winston making highlight reel plays in the outfield for Florida State and uh, Patrick Mahomes playing for Texas Tech. I wonder, let's say Ashford did both sports. How do you think football would adjust, or do you think they'd make baseball adjust? Um, you know, they, they do a pretty good job of, of, of working together. You know, obviously, really what will come down is, is, you know, when it overlaps in the spring, it's not going to have much of an impact in the fall, of course. It'll be in the spring uh, when Oregon's trying to do spring football uh, and baseball uh, is, of course, playing. So, you know, how they do it, I don't really know. I mean, if you're playing in a season, um, more than likely you'll be, uh, you know, paying a little bit more attention to baseball, um, to the games, traveling away and stuff like that. But I think, you know, for the most part, you're only doing like three football practices a week, three to four um, for a couple hours. So, you know, more than likely you're going to be able to at least get a good chunk of your practices in for football along the way. It just depends on if the team's traveling uh, for baseball and, and what's going on there. But I, I'd say you're probably going to be able to get, you know, 75% of your football practices in, um, even in the spring. So there's really not that much that's lost. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Yeah, uh, that that pretty much tackled everything I had on the list today. Um, anything else you, you want to hit on? No, uh, there's no sports. There's nothing new developing. There's still no wide receiver coach. There's uh, <laughs> players all over the country. Coaches are at home. I mean, just yeah. That's. I mean, I'm glad we're able to piece together a podcast that uh, that makes some sense and then hopefully gives everybody a little break from uh, from the pandemic. But uh, yeah, other, otherwise, it's. Uh, I get it. There's not that much exciting going on, and uh we're we're like the rest of you we're trying to make the most of it hey a month and a half ago did you think mario still wouldn't hire a receiver coach yeah well no i, I mean i <laughs> there's no doubt he likes to take his time with his his uh, hiring processes but uh yeah this one definitely takes the cake that's for sure yeah i can i can just picture him and and i'm not knocking him when i say this i i mean it with the utmost respect i see him as very detail oriented very regimented i could not picture him just stuck like this can't bring anybody in the building can't yeah. finalize any contracts you, even if you had the guy you can't hire the guy you're stuck right right yeah no this is definitely uh i would say for somebody that's a workaholic like him that uh that you know just spends so much time in the offices seven days a week this uh, yeah this definitely has to be uh uh, uh, we talk about the new normal. I, I, I'm not sure that he'll ever adjust to this new normal. <laughs> no. All right. Well, that's a good note to leave us. Uh, scoop, duck, and hi-fi. Like I said at the very start, you can listen on Spotify, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you want to listen to podcasts. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Scoop, Duck, and Hi-Fi. 
And uh, also, we, we put the link up on scoopduck.com every week. My name's Matt Bagley. He's Justin Hopkins. Thanks for listening. Go Ducks! I can do this night all day long.